0: This administration is running like a fine-tuned machine.
1: Oh, my God, they've got a madman on their hands.
2: podcasting from a secret location deep inside the political colossus. This is Radio Free GOP, the
1: voice of the Republican resistance.
3: What did the president know and when did he know it?
0: We will have no truth or folly with you or the grisly gang who work your wicked will. You do your work and we
1: will do our best. <laughs> 1159 at Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with Music and the Truth Until Dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers
0: and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the
3: wall.
1: We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose.
2: This is Radio Free GOP with your host, Mike Murphy. All right, radio free geo peers, we did it. We did it. We got out the big shovel and dug up the freedom transmitter. We are back for a super special episode and you may ask why. What we're going to sell more hair tonics to make pathetic Murphy another 40 bucks? No, a simple reason. It's war. Trump must be dumped. It's the election. It is time. The Army's must march forward. And I've got the Army with me today, the great team of a group I'm very proud now to be part of, Republican Voters Against Trump. If you want to follow along, you can check out their website, rvat.org. Now, with us, Sarah Longwell. I feel like I'm doing a heist movie here. All right. (laughs) The chief, Sarah Longwell, president of Longwell Partners, co-founder of Defending Democracy Together, publisher of The Bulwark, which you ought to check out. It is a great kind of beacon of Republican and conservatives who are unhappy with the president. And of course, our leader and honcho at Republican Voters Against Trump. Then, Let's see, I've got to think up highest names for everybody. The Mouthpiece, Tim Miller, communications whiz, former spokesman for the Republican National Committee. Tim is a great operative and consultant. He's been in the anti-Trump business with great honor since day one, working in our principals pack back in 2016. You can read his writing everywhere, including the Bulwark and a lot of other platforms. And then finally, the Graybeard, the professor. (laughs) uh Bill Crystal co-founder of defending democracy together he was chairman of the new citizen project we used to have a little fun with that founder and editor of the legendary political magazine the weekly standard and in 1997 he and I I'm old enough to remember we were all kind of young and making trouble together at the standard and then in 1997 when he founded the project for the new american century and if you want to watch a fascinating video podcast he has one i guess it's audio and video now called conversations with bill crystal which has been around since 2014 you can find it everywhere on the internet or on itunes
1: it's time to ask some questions and
4: Free
2: GOP. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for doing this. We're uh, turning this Radio Free GOP fossil into a war device, so you are the people to talk to. Sarah, I want to start with you. Tell us the story of Republican voters against Trump, how it came to be, and I want everybody to talk about why they enlisted, because this, uh, this has not been a, a popular career move inside the Republican Party, but it's obviously the right thing to do, and I know how proud you are all to be doing it.
5: Well, Mike, the story really starts in the rooms of sad Republicans uh, shortly after the election. Um, A young woman
4: in Gettysburg.
5: Yeah. Uh, Tim and I go back a long ways. We used to work together in our youth. Uh, I've got lots of stories about him, if anybody ever wants to hear hear them, that are very scandalous. But I had not met Bill until early 2017, uh, when we were sitting together in some of these rooms of sad Republicans. We were all trying to figure out... What had gone wrong with the Republican Party? What did we miss? What, what didn't we understand about Trump's takeover of the party? And Bill and I started to get to know each other. And from that, we had a lot of meetings together at the Madison. Uh, the Weekly Standard was still up and running at that point. And uh, we would just sort of conspire. What could we do? What could we do to take Trump on? Could we find somebody to primary him? How could we beat him in 2020? And and from that, we uh, we birthed this organization, uh, Defending Democracy Together. Our first project that was really well known was to um, Republicans for the Rule of Law, which was uh, really in relationship to the Mueller investigation. But of course, there's been no shortage of Rule of Law things to fight for over the past few years. But through all that to that question of what had happened to the party, about three years ago, we started to do focus groups with what we would call sort of the soft Trump voters, reluctant Trump supporters, to understand what was going to persuade them come 2020. And the thing that became so clear through all of that work was how much all the elite efforts in 2016 Had really failed. People, We were in an anti-elite moment. Nobody cared. But the thing that people did find persuasive was other people like them, other Republicans who felt that they had lost their party, or even Trump voters who were kind of regretful and had just done it really not because they wanted to cast a vote for Trump, but because they couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And one of the things that became clear early on was, could we figure out a way to harness those voices and help bring them to the kind of persuadable voters that we knew were out there. They're not, you know, Trump's got his base, but there is a percentage of the party that really doesn't like him. They don't like the left, but, you know, with Joe Biden as the nominee, maybe they could be persuaded. And so the genesis of the project was, can you capture these voices? And that's that's what we've done. If you go to the website, you will see hundreds of testimonials from people who either voted for Trump or maybe who voted third party or wrote somebody in or who just didn't vote in 2016. Who are prepared to vote for Biden in 2020, and we believe that is the m- best way to persuade people going forward.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into that and maybe play some sound, but I think you made a really important point. The media and kind of observers get obsessed when people give, you know, Trump, Republicans give them an 89 92%, 95% approval rating as president. That's not the same as love and happiness, because you're rooting for your team. You know, it's like asking a Red Sox fan, are you a Red Sox fan? Yes. You know, so when you go under that and ask people, well, would you rather have another Republican? Do you have some all of a sudden 15, 20 percent kind of fall off? And I I thought it was shrewd of you guys to target that bill and Tim, what brought you into the conspiracy here? And then we'll get into a little bit of the stuff you all are doing.
4: I'll chime in. I came in later. I guess we'll let the gray beard go last. Um, Youth first. And, um, you know, as as you said, Mike, I I think after uh, I was communications director for JEB in 2016 and started with that Our Principles Pack basically two days after instead of sitting on the beach like I wanted to. Funny aside about Our Principles Pack. It's A very veepish name because everybody involved except for me and Katie Packer ended up being for Trump in the general election after he won. So it was kind of a. It was our, uh, our fungible you know, principles. Yeah, about. fungible <laughs> principles. But um, so after 2016, while well, Bill and Sarah were sitting in sad rooms of Republicans, I was sitting alone in my room, sad, sadly, and watching very sad movies and reading, you know, A Little Life over and over again. And so while I was grateful for them getting into the fight early, uh, I needed a breather from it. But uh, Sarah and I started talking. Last year. And look, I, I think exactly what Sarah said is true. I wanted to take another swing at him. I, I felt like um, it was uh, uh, that there are more Republican voters out in America than people realize who, who are going to be willing to jump ship. Uh, I think that people are sick of hearing from, you know, blow gas, gas bags like us, um, it, you know, in the big cities, talk about why we don't like him. But uh, there is a lot of doubt. And we saw that in the primary in 2016. Uh, we saw that in the general through our polling. But at the end of the day, you know, there was a significant percentage of the electorate high single digits low double digits who didn't like him didn't like the tweets didn't think he was a good person voted for him anyway for a variety of reasons anti-elite sentiment their grievances hating Hillary. And I felt like if we could reach those people and move them over to Biden or move them to, you know, just throwing their vote away this time, that that would be enough to get rid of this guy. And um, and so I was excited to jump on board and, and grateful for the work that Bill and Sarah had been doing on that front while I was, you know, watching Blue Valentine over and over again.
2: <laughs> now, Bill, you started out with Stop Hoover back in the day. You're the pro here. Um, and then <laughs> Enough with the old jokes. I'm ancient, too. Tell us your thinking, because you were there with Sarah co-founding and defending democracy. You've been a notable anti-Trumper from day one. Uh, I've been anti-Trump since 92, simply because I had to deal with them in New Jersey when I worked for Christine Todd Whitman. He was in Atlantic City, and uh, it uh, you could tell pretty cool that he was a human made out of uh, dental plaque. But tell us your story on this.
0: Yeah, I guess I've always had a soft spot for what seemed to be hopeless causes, and so it's the, the Republican organizing, helping to organized Republicans against Trump, uh, whether on the Hill and in terms of supporting various efforts to curb him, all the way down through impeachment. That uh, We did that a lot through Republicans for the rule of law, trying to find a primary candidate against him. And I mean, I will say to our credit that we persevered in the sense when, every, when the polls were, as, as you said, Mike, 91% of Republicans support Trump and no Republicans are against Trump and just give it up and just join The more general uh, opposition to Trump, which we're part of too, obviously, and we work with a lot of Democrats and that's fine. And we're going to vote for a Democrat this, this November. But I think the one thing we always kept in mind was that at the end of the day, Trump won a very narrow victory based on getting a lot of reluctant Trump supporters who had been traditional Republicans to vote for him, to come back to him at the end because of Comey, because of Hillary, because of whatever. In 2016, when the economy remained good, he held most of those people, but we always had the sense that you could pry two, three, 4% of them away. And that would make a huge difference, obviously, given how narrow Trump's victory was. Now it looks sort of more obvious with Trump behind by 10 points in the polls. We'll see if that holds up. But I think we, we stuck to it when it was less obvious. And we may still need to stick to it when it becomes less obvious again, because there will be a certain people remind themselves of why they weren't mm-hmm. Democrats all these years. And they'll dig up things from Biden's yep. past and Biden's supporters and Biden's VP pick. And so I think continuing just to hammer at this Republican, traditional Republicans against Trump, Republican voters against Trump. We, we spent a long, long time where then we should have probably discussing the name, but I think it was the right name to take. Not everyone is still a Republican, but these are traditional Republican voters. And to, to ensure that Trump is defeated, some of them have to desert Trump.
2: Yeah, the fundamental strategy comes right out of the data, which is you know, there is an unease. You see it in every focus group. You see it in every properly done poll among a hunk, a small hunk, but a material hunk of the Republican vote. You know, in a campaign, as you all know, if you're sitting there and you're looking at the crosstabs, you want to have your Republican support on the ballot up to around 95%. And if that can be chiseled down to 86%, it's material in the Michigans and Arizonas and Wisconsin. So, Sarah, talk a little bit and everybody, you know, feel free to jump in. You're a rowdy group. None of this politeness needed, like all rebels. The theory behind it, I know you do. we do different kinds of things. So just focusing on the real people now, because this is interesting. And folks listening in here at Radio Free GOP might be up to making their own ad, because it's really easy to do. We've been taking real Republicans who do a simple ad into their computer, kind of a testimonial, and then blowing them out digitally in the key target states. So, Sarah, why don't you walk us through kind of the mechanics of all that? Maybe we can listen to one of those
5: ads. This really is based in in years of research and and trying to show or understand with these sort of reluctant Trump voters what they find persuasive and and again going back to the people like them, but you know when you have to get real people to make an ad for you or to to hold their phone up and and explain why uh, they don't like Trump and then know it's going to be on the internet, it's actually the degree of difficulty on that is actually really high, but the. The return on something like that is so much bigger than a lot of the ads. And, and we do a lot of them where, you know, we just go right at Trump and you talk all him weak and you show him in his bunker and all that stuff. That stuff goes viral on Twitter and it gets millions of views and it's good. But in terms of what is really persuasive to the voters who we talk to all the time who are like, well, you know, but the media really doesn't give him a shot and, you you know, but the, up until pretty recently, oh, the economy's good. You know, coronavirus isn't exactly his fault. So, the way that we got these was we had been collecting just simple data collection. We had been finding these um, disaffected Republicans for the last couple of years through Republicans for the Rule of Law, a lot of people in there who are big Romney people, and we've been doing data acquisition. So, we had a list of 300,000 disaffected Republicans or people that we could put in that bucket. And then we started to engage those people, understand who they voted for in 16, who they were likely to vote for in 2020, and get to know them. Them. And over time, we developed relationships with enough of them that they trusted us to make the first hundred videos. And once we had the first hundred, and about we launched about a month ago, and we were able to launch with all of this, this array of stories of people telling sort of genuinely why they were so upset with Trump, why they had changed their mind if they voted for him. And then once we went out with them and people saw what it was like and how I think people were really moved by them, since then, we've had over 250 additional submissions where people can just. Just go to the website, RVAT.org, and there's a tell your story link and there's a, a little button you can push that just turns on your camera. You spend a minute and a half saying, here's why I'm not going to vote for Trump in 2020, but here's why I'm a Republican. And then you upload it and you send it to us. And and that's it. That's the ball game
4: our guys back there are making everybody look good. You know, if somebody stumbles over a word or two, we'll, (laughs) we'll slice it out there. But at the same time, we want it to be these people's real stories. You know, just yesterday we put up a guy shirtless smoking a cigarette at 2am ranting about how he'd rather vote for a tomato can than Donald Trump. He crushed it. I mean, this is what we want. You know, we want a wide variety of, you know, I I feel like if you go on MSNBC, the same reasons why me and Mike and Steve Schmidt and Joe Scarborough and Nicole have all left. We're, all the, our reasons are the same And that's great we, There is a whole slice Of suburban voters out there That agree with all of us But we want to get the guys Who are talking about Why they don't like Trump Because You know Of their deeply held Religious faith Or maybe because it's um, You know We had one guy send in because it Because he was a strong North Korea hawk And he didn't like How he sucked up to Kim Jong-un You know Anything This whole wide variety Of authentic voices Of people telling us What they really think That's what we want So if you're out there We want to hear What you really think We're not trying to You know Sort of shape and mold this.
2: Yeah, that's an important point. And so just go to rvat.org, R V A T, Republican Voters Against Trump.org, and you can click that link. And by the way, you can you can do it twice. You know, second take could be better. But in your own words, why you? Because this is all about amplifying the voices of real Republicans. It kind of gives people permission too, because a lot of Republicans privately don't like Trump, but they don't want to be seen as disloyal or right. you know not part of the group. But I mean how many videos have been created as of this week we're up to a pretty good number
5: yeah so we've got over 350 um they're not not every single one's up on the website just yet but but most of them are and they are they're even and they're getting better the more people see what it looks like the better they are now at doing it And, and tim's right we've got people like josh who he just decided to to knock one out while he was smoking uh in the middle of the night he maybe. I don't know. He maybe had had one or two drinks, but he was speaking from his heart. And it has a million views. (laughs) Like it has a million views just on Twitter. It's also taking off on TikTok.
4: Multiple people have a million views.
5: Yeah. I mean, Sarah Silverman retweeted it. And the thing about it that resonates is how authentic it is.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no production value in anything. It's
4: just real life, real people. What we don't have yet, Mike, is nobody out there has submitted one who's upset that the president took away their flavored vapes. So if you like to chief on a vape and you're mad at the president, we want to hear from you. We're, we're in the that's, market. That's one little niche of the electorate we haven't quite hit yet that I've we been disappointed are. in. It'll come. Now, the
2: other thing I think to remember, then let's listen to one. I, I have a favorite, is that these just don't go into our file cabinet and say, hey, we got tomato can guy and we, we high five each other. We then use money, millions of dollars. To put these out as digital advertising, and the internet is really good at this—not only at targeting, you know, Republicans they may, who may be persuaded, but at letting people react to ads. So we get data on what the ones that kind of bubble to the top are, and then they get they get more support. So if you live in Arizona or Michigan or North Carolina, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Sarah, you can go into the mechanics of the spend level and all that. But there's a multi-million dollar campaign in those states to take these messages that Republicans send us and then disseminate them out so they can have their effect on other people. What's the total hit rate as of today on the those ads alone?
5: Yeah, so we are almost at a hundred million views across yeah, platforms. It's incredible. It's amazing. But to your point, we have it we are going to spend a minimum of ten million dollars. And and because we're able to very narrowly target the people that we've identified. And I think broadly speaking it's sort of college-educated, right-leaning independents and Republican voters, but we can target much more narrowly. So we can take a bunch of these videos who are people who voted, let's say, for Johnson because they just did a protest vote. You can take third-party voters who are now going to vote for Biden, and you can target those at other people who voted third party in 2016 and help tell specific stories to them.
2: And remember, we're in a world where Trump's total margin among Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, out of 13.5 million total votes, was only 77,000 votes. So, again, a little, a 5 to 10% move among just Republicans, let alone the rest of the universe, could be very material. Well, why don't we listen to one? I feel like I'm doing a movie pitch here. I think you brought a little tape, Tim. One of my favorites is from a retired Army Ranger. We didn't write a word of this. He sent this in, and it's one of our most popular videos. Let's take a listen.
1: Hi, my name is Justin Clark. I live in Washington state. I was raised as a Republican. I voted Republican almost my whole life up until 2016 when uh, Donald Trump ran for president. I had no idea he was as bad as he is, but I knew that he was unfit to be president. So I didn't vote. I couldn't vote for either candidate. I thought I would make this video, not because I'm not voting for Donald Trump again in 2020, which I'm not but because I'm not voting Republican ever again in my lifetime, or at least until every member of Congress that's currently serving in the GOP is voted out of office. The modern day GOP is unrecognizable from anything I've ever known or understood. There is no fiscal conservatism. There's no, there's no values. There's no operating principle by which they govern. And so I'm asking all Americans, but particularly Republicans to vote for Joe Biden in 2020 and he's not doing this. He's not running for presidency to enrich himself or build a tower in Moscow. He's not going to use Russian Intel and WikiLeaks to win the election. Joe Biden won't extort our allies that are fighting Russia to drum up fake dirt. On his opponents, I did five deployments in service of this nation, four with special operations with the 75th Ranger Regiment. I view myself as a patriot and as someone who truly loves this country. I've lived in countries like Argentina and Italy, obviously Iraq, Afghanistan. I've been in countries that have had authoritarian regimes. If Donald Trump is not defeated in 2020. The United States as we know it will never be the same. Forget party.
3: Do the right thing in 2020.
5: Another one that's really good is this guy, Tommy. Check him out.
3: my name is Tommy. I live in West Texas. I'm 43 years old, and I'm a lifelong Republican. Um, Matter of fact, I have never voted for a Democrat in my entire life, that includes local elections, state elections, federal elections. Uh, Never voted for a Democrat, straight Republican ticket, uh, Republican conservative. Uh, Voted for Ted Cruz in the 2016 primary. I did vote for Donald John Trump for president uh, in 2016. I did that because the at least he's not Hillary Clinton uh, rallying cry in this part of the country was strong. Uh, I voted for him, I I own that, but I voted for him with lots of reservations. Uh, I am supporting Joe Biden for president in November. I'm voting for Joe Biden for president in November Um, for several reasons. I grew up in the church, in the Christian church. I attended a private Christian high school and a private Christian university character and morals and values uh, are are big to me and my family. Um, the hardest thing to watch in the last four or five years with all of this has been the evangelical Christians sell out to this false prophet. He can't quote a, a Bible verse. Uh, the stunt that he pulled Uh, St. Joseph's the other day was absolutely embarrassing. Um, The man says that he's never done anything wrong. You look at a way someone lives their life and you believe them. And one thing about Donald Trump is he doesn't, he'll say that he's something, but he doesn't pretend to be anything that he's not. And I believe uh, if Donald Trump is elected for four more years, that our country will go down the darkest path in its history at least at least since the civil war i believe that some may say i'm overreacting or uh but i truly believe that and i hope that there are like-minded conservative republicans just like me that will finally say look this is this is nuts we've had enough and uh we can't support this joe biden november 2020.
2: now In addition to those, and again, if you want to make an ad, go to rvat.org, follow the link to make an ad, and make an ad, join 350 other people, and that number grows every day. You too can join the movement. So, in addition to those ads, which are the bulk of the digital advertising campaign, we can't help once in a while kind of tweaking the president. And those ads tend to go viral too. Uh, Sarah or Tim, you want to talk about the Department of Ungentlemanly Warfare and some of the just kind of ads that we don't put a lot of money behind, but they get millions of views for free and they kind of help shape the agenda and we know also make for angry uh, Trump dregs in the White House.
4: My favorite Ungentlemanly Warfare ad, I hope people have seen it, is about our old friend Mike, Lindsey Graham, and Mm -hmm. Bill. uh, uh, Maybe Sarah, all of our old friend Lindsey Graham. uh, my good friend Scott Conroy was doing a series of behind-the-scenes interviews in 2016 and, and and he was in the car with uh, with Lindsey Graham right around the time that vice President Biden's son had died and Lindsey Graham gives one of the most heartfelt um, just odes to Joe Biden and what kind of person he is um, and and um how much he admires him. You can feel how genuine it is. And and this was kind of before Lindsay, you know, went went to the dark side. And so, you know, uh, uh, our, our main man, Barry Rubin, kind of compiled that video with what Lindsay, Lindsay had said about Trump back when he's being genuine. And the contrast is just so stark between the way that Lindsay talks about Biden and the way that he talks about Trump. And, uh, you know, the ad just has gone to the moon. And um, it's something that I think will continue to dog Lindsay for the rest of this campaign. And and it's it's fun because it hits from both angles, right? I mean, it hits both Lindsey and Trump um, in a very real way, and so that that's one example. But um, I, you know, Bill and Bill and Sarah have some other fun ones besides that.
2: Well, let's give a quick listen to that soundtrack. And again, you can actually see all this stuff at ourvet.org. Uh, they're all compiled there. But let, let's listen to the ad that Lindsey Graham would rather several million people didn't uh, didn't click on.
1: Well, I'm going to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. What is Donald Trump's campaign about? He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. If you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, then it's probably, you got a problem. (laughs) You need to do some self-evaluation. Because what's not to like? He is as good a man as God ever created. He got some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. He's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. This is a defining moment in the future of the Republican Party. We have to reject this demagoguery, and if we don't reject Donald Trump, we've lost the moral authority, in my view, to govern this great nation.
2: oh, man, that one is tough. You know, uh, and Bill, you might have a thought about this, too. We worked so closely together on McCain 2000. I knew the good Lindsey Graham. He was a good friend of mine. And seeing, you know, what he's done to, I don't know, be part of the action in the land of Trump or to hold his seat is one of the most depressing things I've seen in politics. It's sure not the Lindsey now that I once knew.
0: No, and I worked with him closely on a lot of foreign policy issues. He was a huge supporter of the surge in Iraq in 2007, which I was a big defend, advocate for and defender of. And and he helped fight that fight, helped McCain really fight that fight in the Senate and such a... And Lindsey was such a shrewd strategist uh, in the Senate on that kind of stuff. And uh, it's sad to see what's happened, but it's sad to see what a lot of our friends, where a lot of our friends have gone either into uh, outright enabling of Trump or silence about Trump.
4: I wish we could include this, Bill. I don't know about you. I, I had drinks with Lindsay one time in New Hampshire, you know, late into the night in the 2016 campaign where he was saying the worst shit imaginable about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, you made my TDS look mild by comparison. And so it really is just shocking, the the shift. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. Well, we're going to go out now
2: with one more ad. We had a little fun with Donald Trump hiding in the bunker. That is another spot that got a big viral multi million hit. And then after that, a commercial.
1: Where is the president in a time of national emergency? Hiding. Hiding in his security bunker, watching his shows, afraid, alone. Not a
0: leader. Said, Supposing you brought the light inside the body.
1: Not a president. Just a scared, incompetent... Within
0: a couple of days, it's going to be down to close to zero.
1: Embarrassment. You know that. Those who have worked with him know that.
5: A former Defense Secretary James Mattis, accusing President Trump of being a threat to the Constitution.
1: Our allies know that. And our enemies know that. Everyone knows that. It's time for a competent president. Let's elect one. Fight for sanity. Sanity. In this crazy year. On Radio Free.
2: Okay, so here's the good news. The ad we have is not a normal ad. You don't have to buy anything, but you do have to join the fight against Trump. We are a low overhead, high impact organization, but we have tens of millions of Republicans we hope to persuade to fall off the wobbling Trump bandwagon. So that's where you come in. First, as we've explained, you can go to our website and make an ad, but you can also support us financially. None of us are getting paid big money for any of this. It's all about beating Trump and every dollar almost all of it goes directly to voter contact. So go to our website, Republican Voters Against Trump, that is rvat.org, and give a buck, give 10 bucks, give $100,000, whatever you can, if you think it's time for Republicans to be part of the move to defeat Donald Trump, bring rule of law back to the White House. Don't worry, Biden won't be that bad. They could have done worse. And in four years, with a new reform conservative or somebody not named Trump who believes in our traditional Republican principles, we'll be back. So we're asking you to at least not buy a Democrat for four years and help us do that to return normalcy by going to RVAT.org and uh, send in a few bucks to a very good cause. Anybody want to chime in on that? This is beg for money time here, so embarrass yourselves. You can do it, Bill.
0: I'm looking at Sarah here, you know. I think you know she's she's raised a ton of money for us, and she's done the hard leg work. You know, and people think that's an easy thing to do, but it's not honestly. Because here we are; most of the Republican donors, the huge majority, are either helping Trump or certainly don't want to antagonize him by being a donor to us. We're not liberal Democrats. We continue to criticize liberal, the left, on some versions of uh, on left wing liberalism, left wing intolerance, and so forth. So it's actually, I mean, it's been gratifying that there are people. I think genuinely public spirited people, uh, wealthy and not so wealthy, who have been willing to help us. But it would any any donation is appreciated
5: the plug for our work. And, you know, there's lots of Democrats who are out there trying to beat Trump. But I'll tell you, you know, the the panic room president ad that you played a little bit earlier, which, let's be clear, was a Mike Murphy special. One of the first things you you brought to the table when you joined our our little group. And what's what's well,
2: sorry. I have to interrupt with a salute to Barry Rubin, our great producer who actually takes these harebrained ideas and and, and makes them happen. So thank you for that. But Barry is the, the quarterback of uh, wizardry on video production.
5: Yeah, Barry is a legit genius. But I think one of the things that Republicans who are trying to take Trump on, you know, one of the things we see online all the time are, why are Republicans so much better at this than Democrats? And I'm not sure that it's that exactly. I think we're we're angrier uh, at Trump because uh, he took something different from us than he did Democrats and hijacked our party and poisoned our country. But the thing that I think we understand and something that was really shows up in that ad is, you know, a lot of these left wing ads say like, well, Trump's an authoritarian and they make him look like this, this. Bully strongman, and they don't realize that that is part of his appeal, you know, to a fair number of Republican voters. Whereas what you understood as a Republican is. He, making him look weak, making him look afraid. That is the thing that actually moves Republican voters, and so I think there's a there's a real pitch to be made here about like we understand how to beat this guy in a way that the Democrats don't. So if you wanna you wanna spend it's a family your dollars, feud, you know, yeah.
4: nobody knows how to cut your brother in the exactly. deepest way than you do, you know, um, you know, you know all
2: the deepest hits. That is so totally right, and it is a holy mission because it is our church that has been desecrated. Yes. So we have a special rage in our step because uh, we all joined different flavors and varieties of the conservative movement for a reason. We believe in this stuff. And we think it can make America better. Yet, you know, you're in a world where lefty stuff that we're not so on board with doesn't have an alternative because Trump's doing cut rate Juan Perón fascism and ruining the Republican Party. So join us. Go to ourvat.org. Send a few bucks. It'll turn into more hate ads you're going to enjoy and more highly targeted ads that are going to persuade Republicans to fall off the Trump bandwagon. Remember, we move five to seven percent of Republicans from Trump to take him from 94 down to eighty. It could be the difference in places like Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. All the other stuff is getting covered. There are a lot of people doing lots of things. But this is a real rifle shot at a material vote, and uh, we'd love to earn your support. All right, let's get back to our discussion.
1: When the president's a crazy man, you've got to talk some smack. Radio Free GOP.
2: Bill, so let's talk big picture a little bit. People are kind of cocky now because there are all these big polls. But, you know, you guys were there when there were no big polls and there could be much tighter polls again. The worst thing to be in this early moment in an election is cocky, particularly with somebody who has big resources behind him and will do absolutely anything to win. What's your take on all that?
0: No, that's right. I expect the race will tighten. There'll be things that Joe Biden does that some people don't like. There'll be external events that will be favorable to Trump, or that Trump can play to his he has got all those resources, and he's totally ruthless, totally shameless. He'll demagogue. He'll use the federal government to his advantage and the instrumentalities of the federal government in a way that no one has. Nixon sort of touched on a couple of these things in a very minor way. Trump will do yeah, it he's a Yeah, he's mother way.
2: goose compared to Trump. The trickster's looking better every week.
0: So I, I think it's crazy to be at all complacent, and that's why we we need to just forge ahead. Right now, the polls show, you know, Trump down by 10. And if that's the case, that'd be great. And the rifle shots will be less important. But that is not inevitably going to stay that way. And it will tighten, I suspect. And there are many things that uh, Biden could, you know, make some mistakes, or Trump could get lucky in certain ways, or the left could riot Even more, and you know, Trump will look like the law and order candidate, and so forth. So, I think the degree to which this is important to do, I remain convinced to that. I mean, we 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 did this through thick and thin. We did it when it looked hopeless, and everyone said to us, "Well, good work there on impeachment." You got Mitt Romney. You know, zero members of the House, one senator. Was it all worth it? And we look, we did it. This was the right thing to do, and also because you don't know what you're laying the predicate for. And I do think, in that respect, a lot Mm -hmm. of the work we did that didn't pay off in the shorter term. It's cumulative, and the elites, and the public, and you know, all the, the the glitzy ads and the the real voter ads and uh, videos, you know, it's it all adds up to a gradually convincing people who were reluctant for Trump in the first place. Some of them were enthusiastic, most of them reluctant for Trump in the first place or reluctantly sat it out in 2016. That didn't like either that, you know what, it just, we can't have four more years of this. I think that was uh, the one insight I think we had early on. I think I said this way back in 2017 is people could say to, they could have voted for Trump. They could say to pollsters, they approved Trump. And I remember a lot of our friends were very depressed when Trump's approval was hanging in there in the high mid or high 40s even. That doesn't mean they want to re-elect Trump. Four more years of this, four more years with the guardrails gone, four more years of Trump being Trumpier and people more desperate to enable him and, and mm-hmm. none of the checks that were there in the first couple of years, both institutional checks and personal checks and just the history. I was talking to a, a diplomat actually uh, yesterday uh, from an embassy here in, in D.C., a friend, genuine friend of the U.S., wishes us well and stuff. And the degree to which this is a little exotic as a voting issue, but the degree to which people have been willing to kind of work around Trump for four years, our allies. And try to keep the alliance structure together and try to keep the checks on Putin together and the checks on China. But after, if Trump's reelected, I mean, all bets are off. And the degree to which things could unravel, the speed of it, people don't understand fully, I think. So again, the reelection, getting people to focus on do you want four more years of this? This isn't about whether you like the liberal media. It isn't about whether you were right or wrong to vote for Trump even in 2016 and against Hillary. It isn't about whether you agree with every part of Biden, whether you think Joe Biden's the greatest Democratic candidate ever. This is about can we tolerate, can you support four more years of Trump. And I think we've done a pretty good job of helping people focus on that question, as opposed to all the distracting questions that Trump wants everyone to focus on. Let's have a referendum on whether you like rioters in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, if that's what people go to the polls or do their mail-in vote on in, in November, that's a different story, then think hard about four more years of Trump.
2: We've all been around Republican politics a long time. Put on your amazing Kreskin powers. What do you think the average Republican polls are thinking now? They've been shameless. I I didn't expect much, but it's been even worse than I thought about being toadies for this guy. Brutal fear now, no way to get out, looking at potentially losing the Senate. I mean, are we ever going to see any real Republican named leadership types jump on our bandwagon? Which, again, I don't think they deliver much, but uh, I'm curious about that.
4: Tim? No, I don't think. I mean, they're they're all very pregnant. I I, like you, Mike. I, you know, I I had a sense that the party was ready for a populist moment. So Trump winning the primary didn't really surprise me that much. Um, It surprised me a little bit, but I was deeply surprised and shocked and disappointed by how everybody has gone along, besides Mitt Romney and a few who left like Jeff Flake. So no, I I don't see it. A lot of them are spooked by 2016. How some people jumped off after the Access Hollywood tape and and and. And it didn't serve them well. People like Kelly Ayotte, who ended up losing. And a lot of them are spooked by Jeff Flake. And there just are no profiles in Courage out there. And it's shocking Mm. to me. You know, Bill talked about how there were no votes in the House for impeachment, You know, um, even if uh, this does end up being a a landslide, I think that there's a big argument for our effort in pushing that number up. Because I think that some of these people deserve to be punished for the fact that they haven't stood out against Trump. And I don't understand what people in purple states, if you're looking at Martha McSally, you're looking down the barrel of a 10-point defeat right now. What is the argument against just coming out and saying, hey, I don't know, maybe shooting rubber bullet grenades at priests wasn't the best thing to do? (laughs) Like I, I mean, is that really too much to ask for people in a purple state? But there's safety in numbers and I, and there's kind of a rats on a ship element here. And, and I think that they're all going to go down with the ship uh, because if they are the one that jumps and 2016 Redux does happen and he wins, they know that they're dead. And so there, there's safety in numbers and there's no not a lot of courage. That's my assessment. No, I agree with that. Sarah, what's your take on our mighty
2: GOP leadership?
5: I've been like Charlie Brown with the football on these guys. I mean I have I have at every turn been like, don't worry. There are people there who are going to do the right thing. Um, they're and, going and to come around. You, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you, you you talk to people, you know what they think behind the scenes. We all talk to people where we know, and and we have this sense that at some point they're gonna they're finally gonna, gonna say out loud what what we know that they think, and it never happens. And at this point, I want to just completely agree with Tim that they a deserve to go down it, and b this idea that we have a responsibility right now not just to defeat Trump, but to defeat Trumpism, because there are some real mm-hmm. people waiting in the wings. Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, who are looking at this populist surge saying, hmm, I want I want me a piece of that. And I think that you have to create a real disincentive, which is, hey, guys, there's going to be a total brain drain on the party. You're going to lose women forever and you're never going to get them back. You're going to be looking at a at a total Democratic takeover. And you're not going to have any hope of getting these people back, not just because of demographic shifts, but because people aren't going to forgive you for this. At least that is what I hope happens, because the only hope that people like us have, if you want, and we all believe, I think, that there should be two responsible, you know, political parties in this country. And if you want the Republican Party to be one of them. It's got to learn a really hard lesson if we're, it's going to get rebuilt in a way where it should be once again, given the public trust of governance.
4: I think that Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley might be optimistic scenarios, you know, in a close defeat. Don Jr. Trump, Trump run again. Trump Jr. Tucker. Honestly, I, I think that in a close defeat 2024 race, a Trump family member or Tucker would be the front runner as it stands today. Uh, and and oh, so. Regular Mount Olympus. <laughs> exactly. John. We, we could be so lucky with Josh Hawley.
2: It's why the blood splat has to be as big as possible and the political pain has to be as much as possible. Because one thing parties don't abide over time is losing because they know it's existential and there won't be a party anymore. So the bigger the damage and the more pain that's assigned to Trump you know, I mean, if you look at it since 16, this is one of the great myths. Since Donald Trump took the oath of office, the Republican Party has underperformed or gotten wiped out. It's one of the two in every single ballot test every time we go. That's why we lost the House. That's why, you know, we've lost control of, I think, 10 governorships and state legislative seats. It's been one loss after another. The country wants to fire and punish Donald Trump. So if we get clobbered enough this time, as painful as. As that is. Well, I've never voted Democratic in my life. I gave 500 bucks to Joe Biden, and I'll probably give him 500 more, which, you know, again, I I almost had to go on oxygen just because of this. You know, it's just not what I'm programmed to do as somebody who's been in the Republican trench for 30 years. But If we don't stop this, it's going to destroy the conservative moment and we'll be spending our time picking between different flavors of socialism in the future. So thank all of you for what you're doing. I want to finish up with one kind of fun thing we ought to talk about. Last week, the Department of Ungentlemanly, uh, RVAT Warfare had a little fun, but also, frankly, I think put a spotlight on something that counts. We had a polling firm talk to 600 real voters in Duval County, Florida which is commonly known as Jacksonville. It is where Donald Trump has done the shotgun marriage convention and said, I'm coming there. And what's notable is it's a soft, lean Republican county. We used to win it by double digits. Trump only won it by a point and a half, Romney by three and a half. It's vital swing territory in Florida, but it does lean our, and we ask people, do you want the convention? And Tim and Sarah and Bill, what did they tell us? 49-39,
0: Forty-nine, thirty-nine. Our poll showed people did not want the convention uh, in Jacksonville when they were informed a little bit about how many people might be coming, and so the risks went up a little bit. But it was basically a ten-point, twelve-point gap. I think there's a new poll out today, as we speak, that shows actually a slightly bigger. Uh, the University of North Florida looked at our poll and decided, hey, they're in Jacksonville, shouldn't they be doing this too? You know, and uh, they did it. They commissioned a poll, and I think it's a, like a fifteen-point gap of people not wanting it there, which I think is interesting and important. And I think, incidentally, the actual convention itself becomes, I mean we all, uh, their political advantages to messing up their convention, so to speak, getting a negative, you know, getting questions posed to them. But it's a genuine issue. I mean, are they really going to endanger public health by bringing all these people together? For what? For what? It's not like, it's one thing to endanger public health. Let's say we were talking before we went on the air about schools coming back. Look, there are real pluses and minuses to having kids at school. They learn stuff, presumably. They have working parents. It's hard. So you could say, Responsibly, I'm not sure I would say it, but you could say responsibly, you know, a tiny bit of risk here for reopening K-12 schools is something we're going to have to pay because there's huge advantages to having 40 million American kids be educated in school and all the disadvantages of the chaos of, of having them at home for a whole term and not attended to and so forth. This is nothing. This is just vanity. This convention can happen, you know, totally in a virtual way. Uh, and so... People are being asked to endanger their health for the vanity of Donald Trump. You know, it's not just on this point of Biden, I'm very struck. I think it's been smart. You know, Biden is in the basement and all this, and people are talking, oh, it's too bad he has to stay there. I give him credit, honestly. I mean, maybe he's doing it for other reasons, partly. But I give him credit for actually doing the responsible thing
4: in terms of public health. You know, it's not a trivial thing. Go deeper into the basement. Go on a mission trip to the heart of Africa until Donald Trump gets his <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff together. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, and wearing the mask, I mean, that's the mask is so significant in that respect. The the failure yeah. of Trump, this rally they had in Phoenix last night, you don't know in any particular case, of course, whether you're really going to be a super spreader event or not or whatever. But even if it's a minor spreader event, it's so irresponsible with the virus still out there. And in fact, having, unfortunately, something of a research. Anyway, I think the question of what happens at this convention is quite interesting. Will it actually happen the way they, will the mayor of Jacksonville just be comfortable saying, go right ahead? Will the people on the arena be comfortable saying, as long as they sign that release waiver so we're not sued we got no responsibility we're just going to let people use our facility
2: you know it's (laughs) unbelievable and think about the first responders you stick into into harm's way right. standing around guarding an egomaniac in close quarters, you know, where there's a COVID risk to them. The people yeah.
0: working in emergency rooms and in, in 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 the Jacksonville hospitals uh, or in the hospitals of all the other places these Republican devils will go back to. What about them? I mean, so no, it's I, I think it's a good, frankly, a good issue for us to hammer way out because it just highlights his vanity, his irresponsibility, his lack of concern for the for the public good. And Florida, incidentally, which is why he wanted to have it there, is a key swing state, a state you've worked in a ton, Mike, Tim, you as well, I think, and uh, which I think is more vulnerable for Trump than people realize.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, our convention offensive to frankly let the residents' voices be heard. By the way, it's funny on our poll. Our poll has it by 10 percent, don't come here. And then we'd say, well, wait a minute. What about the great hotel rooms? What about Mayor Lenny Curry is for it? What about the great Governor DeSantis, our fine Republican governor, you know, who carried that county, is for it? Or are you worried about COVID and the, the, all the trouble it'll bring? The numbers get worse when you mention DeSantis and Curry. It goes from 10 points to 13. So we also asked, we couldn't resist a ballot question. And Trump, again, who won the county more narrowly than any Republican has in a long time, at a 1.5% margin over Hillary, we have him losing it by eight points. You can't win Florida and lose DeVall by five or eight points. So this is a canary, a big dead canary in the coal mine that says Florida is definitely in place. It is a myth. He has a lock on it. And I think you will be hearing more from us in the future as we ramp up toward the campaign about a a pretty muscular campaign operation targeted at Republicans and and some kind of Republican-leaning independents in Florida. Because break Trump there, you break him everywhere. It doesn't matter if he gets a Wisconsin back or he holds out in Arizona so more to come on Florida. Okay, I'm going to wrap up with one last question. I want everybody to give us, our listeners, your Twitter handle because you're all very active on social media and you're all a fun follow. So I'll start with the groups, which is at RVAT2020. Keep a listen, a digital listen on what we're
4: doing there. I'm uh, at Murphy Mike, as I think a lot of you already know. Tim, where do we find you? I'm at Tim O.D.C., even though I live in Oakland now. My parents called me Timo. That was the origin story there, a little behind the scenes of Tim O.D.C. I never knew that. I always
0: wondered why I've gotten to know Tim well over the last couple of years, obviously, but I never <laughs> knew why it was Tim O.D.C. You know, T- D.C. I kind of got, but Tim o, the the o- Yeah,
4: Timo. Uh, Timo was – my dad was in San Antonio right before I was born, and so had a brief uh, – he knew a Timoteo, I had a, you know, brief Spanish affection. <laughs> Okay. That's good. Uh, Sarah, you, you got a topper for that. What's yours?
5: <laughs> yep. Mine is just my full name, Sarah Longwell. Two five twenty five was my jersey number uh, in high school and college because I was a bit of a jock. I don't play sports anymore, though I just it's just the number I play on roulette when I go to Vegas. So Sarah Longwell two five. <laughs>
0: And Crystal, you're the king of Twitter. At Bill Crystal, yeah. I asked Sarah once, what's the 25? I mean, obviously she wasn't born in 1925 or anything like that or didn't graduate from college and so, but yes, that was her. What Were you a third baseman or something, as I, I recall? Did I make that up?
5: I was a second baseman.
0: Second baseman, okay, yeah. Well, I hope this year and so far you've been inspired by the great Detroit
2: Tiger, Ty Cobb, even though I know we're talking about softball. Spike's out on Donald Trump. Let's go get him. So again, follow us at RVet.org or at rvat 2020 and contribute. Make a video. Do something. Participate. I'm going to turn over the reins of Radio Free GOP as we work together here at RVAT. So we may be back with more updates. We're going to see how well this one works at getting people to get in the fight because that in a political campaign is what counts. Nobody should be passive. So thank you. Now, I hear the Republican Orthodoxy police yet again dogged as they are they're closing in on our secret broadcast location. Sarah, Tim and Bill and myself were busy. We got to go blow up some bridges here behind enemy lines so we're going to make a quick retreat before they can ever catch us. And to our friends inside the White House, inside the Trump campaign and inside the Republican National Committee and the Congressional and Senate Committees we know you're there. We know you're loosening the bolts on the machine. Keep up the good work because the Republican Republican voters against Trump world is everywhere. All right, we'll see you next time.
1: Radio Free GOP, the sound
3: all can be long.
2: This has been Radio Free GOP, the voice of the Republican resistance,
1: with your host Mike Murphy.